Luminous Fobiscum Amigos, and welcome to this episode of the Heavenly Toast Podcast. Today, I'm talking a little bit about the new evangelization, kind of reflecting on evangelization and the situation of the church as a whole. Uh, there was an article that popped up pretty recently in one of my news feeds from a priest in a diocese in Michigan, and it was his homily for, I believe, the second Sunday of Advent, if I'm not mistaken, and he was taking a very sober look at the situation of his diocese and of his parish, looking at mass attendance, looking at parishioner involvement, and just kind of reflecting on this and taking a look at it and how to move forward. I'll post a uh, link to the article itself down in the show notes and in the description below, so you can kind of feel free to read through the entire transcript of this homily. I mean, it's a good read, it's a short read, it's both sober and encouraging. I mean, I highly recommend reading it. It won't take more than five or ten minutes. So take a look at that. But uh, this priest, Father Dwyer from a diocese in Michigan, was speaking to his parishioners at an Advent Mass. And he begins by talking about hope. He says that there's always hope in Christ and that this is a perfect time to reflect on hope because Advent is this great season of hope. It's this looking outward, desiring something, and still simultaneously expecting full well that we will actually receive it. And he starts off with that hope because he's talking about a very sobering topic, very sobering statistics. He's looking at the diocese's annual October account is what he calls it. So it's kind of like um, the annual church-going people numbers, um, how many people have been attending Sunday Mass across the diocese and everything. And the numbers that he gives are extremely, extremely sobering. He says that the entire diocese in the past year saw an attendance drop of Sunday Mass of 7.3%. Since 2013, which was five years ago, the diocese as a whole has seen a drop of 23.7%. And since 2005, which was 13 years ago, the mass attendance in the diocese had dropped by nearly 45%, which represents 22,700 people fewer in the past 13 years. Those are some pretty sobering statistics. And unfortunately, I don't think that they're all that uncommon around dioceses in the United States, and certainly around the world. It's been kind of a growing trend in a lot of the westernized nations that mass attendance on Sundays has been in a steady decline, certainly for the past 50 years, but it definitely seems like it's continued to increase in rapidity recently. What does he say about this? He starts kind of reflecting on this, and he says, I'm a young guy. I'm, you know, 36, I believe is what he says. And I, as a 26-year-old person, also look around at congregations, and I notice this too. He says, how many people do you see in the congregation that are younger than me? If I'm being honest from my own experience, how many people are under the age of, you know, maybe 35? The numbers are extremely low in most parishes that I have experience with. It's mostly populated by older people, you know, people who are 50, 60, 70, and above. 
and that's great to have them. However, I think they're seeing a very large disconnect with young people in the church. We're seeing a very large rejection of the Catholic life, not necessarily for all of the right reasons, but just because there's a disconnect between what we're saying and what's being heard, I believe. So, how does he propose that? I think in the church, there's a very large emphasis on, oh, well, to regain the young, we need to make it more like what young people like. We need to make it, you know, more, the music to be more interesting, the music to be more of a rock and roll style, or it needs to be more um, entertaining, or the mass needs to be more this or more that. Or we start talking about folk music in the choirs and everything. But I beg to differ, honestly. And this is something that I've thought about before. I, as a young person, 26-year-old, have a magic box that I carry around in my pocket almost every moment of every day. And with that magic box, I can access all of my friends, I can see all of my news feeds, I can watch any video that I'd like, I can listen to any song that has ever been created in the history of the human race, I can go look at, learn about, and see anything that I want to. The church can't compete with that. Let's be honest here. I think there's a very well-intentioned piece behind the whole notion of let's make it more hip and more with it. Um, but I don't think that it entirely holds water when we view things in light of that. I can see things with fantastic CGI and special effects far beyond anything that I could ever imagine. I can listen to any song that I'd like to, and I can pause, fast-forward, rewind, or skip to any other song. A lot of the notion of, oh, I'm going to enjoy the music and therefore I'm going to come to Mass, just really doesn't hold water in today's world anymore. So what does he propose instead? He proposes a movement back towards traditionalism. And I think that among many of middle-aged people, that comes as a surprise. I don't think that they believe that young people truly like traditionalism, that they like incense, that they like Gregorian chant, that they like Latin, and all such as that. But I think, at least in my encounters with a lot of young people, they do. And the reason that they do is because these things open the liturgy to being something that is utterly unlike anything that they have ever seen and utterly unlike anything that's out there right now. It's not simply another song that's competing for my attention on my Spotify playlist. It's not simply some really cool CGI movie that I can take a look at and enjoy maybe once or twice and then forget about it for the rest of my life. It brings me into a real feeling of mystery and of contemplation of what's truly happening. It brings me to a deeper sense of the things that are truly happening during the liturgy. Even if I don't necessarily understand them as closely, it brings me to deeper faith, deeper meditation, and deeper contemplation. And I really appreciated how he noted 
that his efforts to bring traditionalism into the Mass is not saying that the Mass is not beautiful currently. The Mass is the Mass. It's Jesus himself offering himself to the Father for the life of the world. The Eucharist is the source and summit of the Christian life. So the Mass is beautiful as it is, but what he's saying is, is that we can make it more beautiful. We can elevate it to show more of the truth, goodness, and beauty of the Mass. I distinctly remember when I was in high school, we started uh, an American Issues class. And we were talking about religions and about Sunday obligations and about which church are you going to be a part of when you grow older. And I distinctly remember one of the people saying, you know, I'm, I'm a Catholic now, but I really think that I'm going to join some church where the music fits my style a little bit better. Maybe I'll become a Baptist. And I remember thinking how strange of a thought that was because there was no attention being paid to what was true. There was no attention being paid to what was truly worthwhile. It was purely, what do I find enjoyable? And I think when we approach things from that style, it reveals to us a lack of catechesis that we've given to the next generation. It reveals that we haven't really taught the next generation of people to seek out and appreciate what is good and true and beautiful. It's more of a subjective thing. Religion is more about something that entertains me. And I kind of fear a little bit what happens when the Baptists cease to entertain you. What happens when no religion succeeds in entertaining you? And is that even the goal? I think that's quite clearly false. I think that's quite clearly wrong. And I think that there is a better way that we can show people. I love that the priest pointed out a, a little quip here. He said, if the church ain't crying, the church is dying. And I think that that's so important to remember that when we have crying babies in mass, that's not a distraction, that's beautiful. Because it means that there's going to be another generation who's listening to the word of God, who is formed by the Catholic worldview, not simply to have more people in the pews, but to teach and to hand on these great traditions of life and of love and of truth and of goodness. So that's, I think, a very key part of this new evangelization, is not to move along with the passing fancies of the world, not to change the liturgy so that it's entertaining to people. Participation does not mean entertainment. Participation means that I'm drawn more fully into the mystery of the Eucharist, more fully into the actions of the liturgy. Not necessarily that I'm stimulated 100% of the time, but that I give myself inside of this active liturgy. The second thing that came to mind, actually, was a quote by General George Patton. He was talking about war. He said, Wars may be fought with weapons, but they are won by men. It is the spirit of men who follow and of the man who leads that gains the victory. Something that I think that we've lost when it comes to the new evangelization is that we've lost the hand-to-hand -hand and man-to-man 
aspect of evangelization. I think that there's great work being done on the internet, and I mean, heck, I'm doing a podcast right now, so I'm certainly not putting down the efforts of the internet, but I think that there's been an abdication of responsibility for evangelization. I think the internet can spark curiosity and build people up once they get here, once they join the church, once they're going to mass and everything. But the internet can't win all of the battles up front. The internet can't win souls, I don't think. I believe that evangelization happens hand-to-hand, that we speak with people and learn about their stories and help them along the way. We answer their questions, we direct them to new resources, we speak with them and help them to work through the difficulties that they have. But ultimately, it is men, you and I, who go out there and speak with people, show our Catholic identity, show the joy of the gospel in everything that we do, and invite people to this event, invite people to this Mass, to this prayer service, and in general, just living the Catholic life authentically and intensely without dodging or without any sort of um, hiding or shame, certainly. I think there is a lot of um, sometimes guilt that can occur because we believe that religion is just this subjective thing. But I think when we live this faith with joy and with intensity, people can't help but take notice and start to ask, where does this joy come from? Where does this wonderful life that you're living come from? How can I learn more? I think the second thing that we learn from that quote is that bishops and priests must be strong. General Patton's quote ends, It's the spirit of men who follow and of the man who leads that gains the victory. I think that especially recently we've seen a large amount of difficulty in the faith and difficulty in evangelization coming from the fact that the man who leads has not been um, 100% great. There have been a lot of cases where we've heard about terrible events that have happened, terrible things that were swept under the rug or that were perpetrated by the very people who were there to protect the flock. And I think that prayer and fasting for priests and for bishops and for lay leaders is going to be a key part of the new evangelization, and that lay people really will not be able to do this act of evangelization without strong leaders, without strong bishops who stand by orthodoxy, who ask questions when things are unclear, even by their own superiors, and who take every step that's required, even those steps that are difficult, even those steps that might cost them their own posts, to really follow and live the gospel with intensity. I really think that we can sort of view a lot of these Western nations as mission territories, and mission territories that are almost even more difficult than the first mission territories, because, let's face it, The story of Christianity has been told, and it's also been bastardized in a certain way. There are a lot of people out there who've heard the story of Jesus, but maybe haven't heard it in quite the right way, or they've heard something that's wrong, or they've heard something about the church that's incorrect, 
but this is what we're dealing with. We're dealing with people who've already heard about the faith and who've rejected it either for reasons that are incorrect or just out of apathy and ignorance. So I think the seeds are there. We just need to plant and work through the difficult times and seasons to reap a harvest. It's going to be hard, and it's going to require a lot of faith. It's going to require a lot of faith. But I think that this new evangelization that the popes have called for can happen with all of these things, with a return towards traditionalism and an emphasis on the beauty and integrity of the church's teachings by going person to person to try to bring people back into the fold and repropose the truth, goodness, and beauty of the church's teachings and what it can do for them and their relationship with God and by strong priests, religious, and bishops who will guide the flock as Christ intended, guide the flock so that they might also join the saints in heaven. God bless you in your works of evangelization. God bless you in your journey of the faith. And stay strong. Stay in the state of grace. God bless you.